Welcome to episode 51 of Horns Up. How are you doing, Peter? Good, man. Really excited for what we're going to talk about. <laughs> we're going to Canada by way of the UK today, and that's because we've got Jeff Waters of the mighty Annihilator on the show. I'm going to let you take over for this because something you told me about uh, Annihilator really surprised me. And I'm after like a year and a half almost of doing this podcast, I've just found out. So please tell us more about your relationship with Annihilator. Well, my relationship with Annihilator began, I think, in the first couple of months that I was discovering heavy metal. So that goes way back long. And that's because I offhand told one of my uncles that, hey, I'm getting into metal. And he, for I don't know what reason, I don't think it was my birthday, but for some reason he bought me or gifted me two CDs. One was an Anthrax album and the other one was Annihilator's Alice in Hell. This and sounds like a really cool uncle, I must say. Yeah, he, I mean, I don't think he listened to Annihilator or Anthrax. He was more of a pop rock kind of a person who knew Metallica hmm. and the Black Album, etc. and owned the Black Album. And so that was cool. Um, but yeah, I think he just went by album titles or Eight. he just <laughs> went by, yeah, or he just went by artwork or whatever. Because they came to me from Hero Music, oh yeah, I right, which was that, a H I R O music, which was a s- uh, lovely little record store in Fort. Yeah. So yeah, that I owned, or one of the first pure albums that I heard while getting into heavy metal was Annihilator's Alice in Hell, and what surprised me was the fact that Annihilator played a kind of thrash metal which wasn't similar to say a Megadeth or a Metallica or even an Anthrax or you know what you would stereotypically associate with thrash metal it had a lot more um, nuances to its songwriting the song structures weren't linear each and every you know for each and every song the progressions were different it was it wasn't balls out heavy but at the same time it it was definitely heavy metal Right, So it kind of exposed me to that kind of a space and I ended up really liking Alice in Hell only like one of the main reasons behind that was because of course I didn't have a lot of money so not a lot of CDs and so you end up spinning whatever you have countless amount of time. But yeah, if you told that kid at that time that someday in the future in the year 2020 uh, he'll be having a conversation with Jeff Waters from Annihilator, it would boggle his mind and to that extent, I think it has boggled my mind today that we've been able to do this because say what you may, Annihilator will go down in history as one of the most underrated long-term bands out there in existence. They've been doing this now for 30 odd years and if you go by our interview, Jeff Waters should be doing it for say maybe an album or two more so yeah man i mean we don't i don't want to get too much ahead of myself but i completely agree with you on the underrated part man because if you see like the canadian thrash metal scene they were like you have that you know tire two tire three when it came to like bay area and stuff like that and remember our conversation when we had about uh, sacred Reich and stuff like that the canadian bands completely didn't have the opportunity that the american ones had 
and uh, yeah man it, it was such a pleasure to talk to jeff waters i was equally blown i was like wow we have an opportunity to do this fuck yeah let's do it man <laughs> <laughs> yeah and this was recorded in very weird circumstances for us because the three of us were joining in from each separate location so there's a lot of noise for most of the interview but uh, yeah just deal with it it's fucking an later here he is jeff waters welcome on on sub the one and only jeff waters welcome thank you so much for giving us some time yeah thank you for having me uh really surprised to connect to a 44 number when did you move to the uk what's the story behind it <laughs> Yeah, I think this telephone call will be lucky if this interview survives the the great distance we have on the phones here. But yes, I'm in the UK. I moved here from Canada a, a couple of years ago and uh which to people who knew me were in great shock that I moved because I'm I'm your typical Canadian, I think. And uh we say a lifer in Canada. Um love <laughs> the country, love the people, love the country. love most of what the country's about except for the hellish winters um but uh, unless you're unless you're lucky and you live in Vancouver you don't get the hellish winters but uh, i married a girl uh from the UK and she had a couple of young kids and it it was basically i i either had to break it off with her or move over here because it it wasn't a, it was not of course of course fair to take the small children away from their grandparents and their school and up uproot and disturb their life like that. So I said, "Okay, I'll quietly come over here and uh I need to build a recording studio and a place for my band to to stay when they're rehearsing and and recording." Um and also uh that meant, "Uh-oh, there goes the house I had in Canada, the cars, the friends, my little puppy dog who couldn't fly underneath the plane on on the uh on the trip over." uh because the UK does not allow animals or pets in the cabin uh, they have a law that says they have to go under the plane and my my little dog was too small and um oh, and yeah. especially friends family and my 24 year old son uh so sorry um uh, studio was going to be gone um I had to move all this a uh, lot of equipment over and so it was a very huge life change for me i mean major change but um i got through it it took me about a year to sort of get used to the move and it took uh 9 or 10 months to build the recording studio and the the artist uh, loft the the place where the the musicians stay uh and then i got right to writing and bang videos promotion did a two month tour in europe um from october to december last year and had a nice holiday and here we are records coming out so yeah it's it's quite a Uh, a good life but the i'm at a place now where everything is so calm and quiet compared to the last 2 years <laughs> but you know since you brought up the studio uh, we were looking it up and i saw a video of it water sound studio how is it recording ballistic sadistic in your own studio yeah i mean it wasn't just the actual Uh, studio was different like because i've had studios in vancouver and ottawa and a place called uh, dunrobin in ontario um this one here is in uh, where i live in the city of durham you in the united kingdom which is near newcastle um and so this is my i think my fourth studio um so having a studio and moving was not really super different it wasn't some kind of incredibly different shock but 
the way we put the studio together, it became more of a dream, a dream studio for somebody writing or for a mixing engineer. It was not just visually what it looks like, but what's in the walls and the floor and the ceiling and all that is like the highest spec and expensive. And what, what a lot of the, the mixing engineers need when they're mixing the big pop and rock and metal albums, you know? Uh, so the equipment was important, but it also had to be my studio when I wanted to use it. And, um, so I got to put little horror movie things in some pretty cool guitars and, uh, and things like that. But that, you know, that was just one thing where all of a sudden you're in even more fun studio. It's also the fact I'm in the UK and if you're a heavy metal fan, that's my age, I'm, I'm turning 54 next year, sorry, next month. Um, of course, heavy metal UK means Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, Black Sabbath, Ozzy, you know, um, this is, you know, a Raven, a Venom, you know, this is like the dream place to be for inspiration um, for, a, for a Canadian. I mean, this is just fantastic. Uh, the, you know, uh, seeing the guys from Venom, seeing, you know, John Gallagher from Raven was uh, sang on my record as well, did some, some vocals because he bounces back and forth between Florida and, uh, and Newcastle. But um, that's an inspiration. But I also had inspiration on my new record from uh, my band. This is the first album I did where I let, uh, I, I, I basically let my entire band have an input in some way on the record and, and even recorded, I uh, wrote the album with my drummer, which is, I've never done that before where I've written the entire album with a drummer. Um, back, that's back to the old school way. I used to write the early material and uh, got input from the other two. And my bass player, Rich was helping engineer. He engineered the drums and a few things. And uh, so everybody's had a, something to do with the record. It's, it's basically, I wanted to change it up. I wanted to do something different but not write pop music or, or love songs or a punk rock album i wanted to to keep it metal of course but i wanted to get some kind of added inspiration and help and i even went in instead of mastering my own record i sent it off to a proper mastering engineer or someone different um again yeah there's a lot of different things i did but i kept it still in my control and still doing working with the right people for it you know they say the music is always a reflection of where you currently are. So do you see yourself playing more twin harmonies or going back to a classic NWOBHM kind of a sound? Is that what's well, there in, around you? No, I don't think... I think it's the inspiration for being in a place that... Um, along with the United States and some Canada, like Anvil Razor... Um, Exciter, Voivod, you know, like all the, the great bands I loved in, in Canada and the United States. I mean, there's great bands here in all types of music too, but I don't think it inspires me riff for riff or in, so much in the actual songwriting or the riffage. It's more like it's just the energy and inspiration to like do the best I can with what I do and, and you know, the things I like and want to write about or, or feel musically. So I don't think it really directly influences the riffs or the songs, but it makes it makes them better. And I have to ask you this, since you mentioned you're in Durham, have any of your fans discovered you? Has there been kind of any yeah. accident meetup? What's it been like? Yeah, I, th I think this is funny because this is, um, it's not considered a metal city, but we are half an hour driving from a metal city. You would say like Newcastle is kind of a, I mean, it's, it's more, there's more metal in Newcastle than there is in Durham. Durham is more of a university town. 
Um, they have a big cathedral and university here and castle and this, but it's a university uh, town, which means you're not getting much metal here. Um, and there's not really any venues to play here. If you're the metal band, you go to Newcastle if you do. Um, so, but you do get people like I've had people throwing over demos and uh, CDs of their band over the fence <laughs> because <laughs> the other side is the other side of that is if it's not a metal city and it's a university town, um, the, the metal heads that do live here, they know you're there and they know where you are. So it, the, the, the smaller amount of them, small group of them, they know you're there. And some people, uh, we live near um, a, a public path and people know a lot of people here in, in that music know me. I was in uh, some local paper or something and that was the end of my anonymity. <laughs> so, um, so it's cool because I met a few people and I also met one of the other singers um, that did backups on our record besides John Gallagher from Raven. There was a, uh, a girl named Kat who uh, who was a singer in a de- is a singer in a death metal band. So that's kind of how I connected with her. Was she heard I was in town and sent me a message? So that was a uh, you know just the, the the small group of metal fans here know know I'm here and I know they're here. <laughs> so <laughs> all right. So you mentioned the band. Uh, how do you because you know when I we were looking at the number of members that have been in the band. How do you kind of choose which uh, member ends up being in a band, or how do you choose the musicians uh, for an idol? Yeah, well, it, in the very beginning, back in the '80s, when I was young, and I started the Annihilator in late '84 with a singer named John Bates, and he was kind of like a in a Rocky Horror Picture Show and Alice Cooper, and he was more of a theatrical, visual show guy and he wrote lyrics and his lyrics were not normal they were twisted and they were different and weird and and i liked it because i came from a very straightforward heavy metal and thrash metal background thrash metal was just starting uh, a couple years earlier when when i met john uh, the singer and we started it but very and we wrote alice in hell together the the song and, and some more songs um basically i we we said we got to put a band together so we're in this uh, city called Ottawa, and Ottawa is the capital of Canada, very conservative. It's the federal government city, so it's not the place where, uh, you know, it's not the best place to be artistic in the sort of rock or heavy metal music that was not really supported there. Um, it was a bit, but not like the big cities like Toronto and Vancouver and Montreal. Um, so basically I knew right away that the guys I had were kind of more, we were all young and we, everybody partied and it was about going out to the clubs with the, with girlfriends. And that's, I was the opposite. I didn't care about the girlfriends much or the going out and drinking and smoking and partying. I was, I wanted to do eight hours a day of learning how to play guitar and be, learn how to write songs and, and this. So I quickly didn't get along with the other guys because it was more of a hobby for them. So I, in fact, to prove that to myself, to to prove that that's how it was, I moved to the other side of Canada, to Vancouver by myself uh, when I was young, all by myself, just to put a band together because I knew there was more musicians out there. And, And I got to Vancouver and that was it. I found all these musicians and we got the record deal with Alice in hell. And and here we go. We started and, and, and it kept going. Um, but 
after the first lineup, the singer left. So Alice in Hell was a very successful album, and then the singer just left to go back to his job in Vancouver, and he couldn't take more time off, and he didn't want to quit his job. So we were stuck. I had to get another singer. So I was same lineup, but I got another singer, um, and we did an album called Never Neverland, which was even bigger of an album for us. And after that, he left to go back to the United States. So I started realizing within two albums that this was not going to be a band. This was going to be a solo project. I'm going to hire the musicians to do the records, and then I'm going to hire maybe the same musicians to go on tour. So while people thought it was a band that had a big turnover and, and people were leaving and there must be arguments and fights and egos, what people didn't see was, you know what, it was really a solo project. And as that continued overseas to get more successful, we, we literally got nowhere in the United States and Canada after three albums. That was the end of our career in North America pretty well. Um, but Europe, Europe realized that the turnover was simply because that's just the way it works. And we did, you know, now 17 records coming out. Um, but I think a lot of people in North America didn't see us or our records for decades. So they, they weren't really understanding the lineup changes. You know, most of the guys that have been in the band are just simply friends of mine still like I guess I'll think of a, a drummer Randy Black that I had in the band for a couple albums uh, he plays now with Destruction um, and while we were doing the album setting up the studio me and my drummer Fabio we called Randy up and said come on fly out and hang out with us in the studio and help us set up the drum stuff <laughs> so you know what I mean like I'm kind of friends with most of the old members but they're really just hired guys that's really the way it's been all right, so Ballistic Sadistic is your third album on vocals, right? Uh, do you think you will go back to having someone else do the vocals eventually, or is this the way you prefer doing no. stuff? No, I, I think cause this is kind of obviously near the end of my career, so to speak, if you look at my age and, and where I'm at with 17 records. I mean, it's not the beginning and it's not the middle. Uh, so if you if you can comfortably say it's the end of the, the last days of the career, um, I think if I'm healthy, I can put out another three albums for sure and, and tour. We, we just did a, a two-month tour, uh, healthy and having fun. And, you know, I probably it felt like I could do this for another 10 years, but you never know what happens with, with your health and things. Um, but, uh, yeah, I got no reason to change. I'm finally actually getting better at, at playing guitar and singing because for, for most of the time I've done it, I wasn't very good at the singing at all. Um, and I'm just getting to the point where I'm, I'm getting better as a singer and I'm, I'm almost happy with it. And, uh, fans are going, Hey, you're got, you're getting better, <laughs> you know? Awesome. So this is the time we ask you to recommend a song that we can perhaps play on for anybody who's wanting to check out the new album, which song do you pick and why that song? Well, I'm, I'm going to pick one of the least the least heaviest ones and you know with a name like annihilator new fans would probably or metal fans that don't know us would probably think with a name like annihilator it must be a really death metal or thrash metal or speed and aggressive uh band or song but uh the song psycho ward is actually different it's it's kind of very similar to a song we had in 1990 called stonewall and it's actually more of a uh a positive almost happy aggressive heavy metal song and it's not um you know it's just kind of like representative of we're not 
just an aggressive band, but we're not just a melodic band. We're not just this and that. We're, we're kind of an everything band. And that one's not representative of our career or anything, but it's just kind of like one of those songs that people really liked from us in the early days. So we thought we, that would be a good one to play today.
so that was Psycho Ward from Ballistic Sadistic. We still have uh, Jeff Waters. Jeff, take us back to when Annihilator started. At that time, what was Annihilator meant to be? And if you could kind of uh, contrast that to what Annihilator is today, has it lived up to your expectations? Yeah, I mean, initially it was uh, a kid, me, uh, meeting another kid, John Bates, um, and being a fan of metal and rock music and wanting to be in a band, but wanting to to be the best we could not not thinking i'm already great or we're already great it was always about you know we need to improve we need to get better we need to learn we need to you know and it was not about being on covers of magazines or selling millions or making millions of dollars it was uh, it, there's always a little ego in it but for us or for me specifically it was not about the fame and money and this and that the only time money comes in is when i realized to keep doing records, I need to make money or sell enough or sell enough shirts or ticket sales to keep making records. But initially, um, and still all the way through the end, it's not all about doing the right things and keeping the same lineup and doing the same kind of music and doing uh, special image for the band. And, you know, it's, it's not about that. It's about the music. And I'm very lucky that I was able to continue all the way up to today and make records that some of them may not sell or be heard or anything, but I like the records for different ways. Uh, the quality goes up and down because you can't make great albums all the time. You can't, you know, sometimes they're good songs, sometimes not, sometimes they're average, sometimes they're classic and sometimes they're shitty. <laughs> it's just the way every artist and every musician does it. I mean, you know, it's it's kind of like so. The concept of the beginning didn't start off. I want to be a millionaire. I want to. I want a Lamborghini. I want twenty women. I want this huge house. It was all about the music first, and then I need to make money to keep this dream alive, to keep my career alive, to keep my hobby, my love, my passion alive. So that, to me, is success. For me, is that because I didn't have the goal to be number one and all this. I can't fail. The only way I can fail is if fans and labels and press don't like what I'm doing anymore. And um, I'm lucky because, for example, I'm turning 54 and the tour I just finished in Europe was mostly a sellout and it was one of the bigger tours that we've done in a lot of years. And uh, little things that do help are we just heard from the label a couple of days ago that we, our record is number two on Amazon and it's not even out yet. So this, this kind of thing is an Amazon Germany, for example. Um, so all these things help and make you feel good, but it's about the record and being able to do another one and not being lazy about doing the records. So you just got to kick your ass, even though sometimes it doesn't always work. You got to try, you got to really try it, you know? So I think, that's really where the band's at. We, I didn't give a damn much in the early days about photo sessions and videos. That's why I looked uncomfortable in a lot of them. And it, it's not about that. If I'm, if I'm able to keep doing records, I'm the happiest guy in the world. You say, and I quote, Annihilator has always been, well, mostly as many North Americans know, a European or a 95% European band. What yeah. do you attribute to your following in Europe as opposed to North America? What is it about Europe that gets annihilator? Or how does Europe get annihilator? 
I think it was one of those things where there wasn't one reason. There was quite a few. Uh, when we lost a record deal in 1993 with uh, Roadrunner and Sony in, in North America, um, that was the time when when the labels there were, were getting rid of most of their heavy metal bands because heavy metal music was kind of on its way out and they quickly got rid of a lot of bands. And we were one of them. And we were told, I was told directly that, hey, unless you change the name of your band and sound more like Sepultura or Biohazard or Pantera, uh, then your your old school music isn't what people want now. And And sure, I mean, I understand, but I got lucky... And while I got dropped here, uh, there in North America, I all of a sudden labels in Japan and Europe found out and wanted to sign me. So that actually was for me. Uh, we did an album called King of the Kill. Was the first album on that that new uh, the new set of labels, and that record took off over there. So that was kind of my career was kind of set for Europe and Japan because of that album. And the record deal was really good. I stayed with that label for years and uh, they were good. We sold a lot of records and I was able to buy a house and build a recording studio. Um, so they were an honest company and, and, and we did well there. Um, when I, nobody wanted to sign us in the States uh, or Canada. So I said, okay, screw it. I'm going to stay in Europe and where, where they want me right now. And we kept touring and releasing records overseas and finally i think 2004 or 5 heavy metal thrash metal was sort of coming back in north america so i thought okay now i'm going to try to get a record deal uh, over there and it didn't work i couldn't get in it was uh we were an older band we we were told we were never a really big band so it's not a, a big exciting comeback um and we were getting offered really bad offers so I just sort of gave up. I said, ah, okay, forget it. I mean, the internet can, fans can find us on the internet, but I guess my career is going to be staying in Europe. Uh, and that's pretty much what happened. That's, I've tried to get back, but I just can't get any companies to offer me any decent deals that are, are not criminal. <laughs> and uh, I just can't get back here, even in my own country, Canada. I mean, it's not uh, just the United States, right? Do you see Annihilator going, you know, Aerosmith, Rolling Stones, probably even like the Judas Priest or Iron Maiden way, you know, like 50, 60 well, years as uh, probably even a studio act. Uh, tough one. I, I think, you know, the thing that would keep me going is health and fans. And that's it. If, if the fans want to hear more and they like a record uh, and I'm, and I'm healthy for sure. I'll just keep going. I mean, this is, this is what I do. I, this is the only thing I've really done in my life is music. And, um, yeah, it, it takes a lot of work to be 53, 54 and, and do, um, I think it was six shows a week for two months. And that's what we just finished. And it was, uh, you, at this age, you do, uh, you know, unless you're Superman, you, you do feel aches and pains and you do have, sore backs and you do have a lot of issues that you don't when you're 40, 40 or 30 or 20. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to put a time on it, but I, I, I was asked before, well, how many more records do you think you got in you? And I said, unless the press and the fans and the label say uh, your record sucks, nobody wants to buy it. Uh, I want to keep going because I love it. Yeah. But from the reviews that are out so far, I think, you know, fans definitely want to go and it's both the press 
and fans. You spoke about topping the Amazon charts. So well, th- that that sucks because now I can't retire. I wanted to go. I wanted to retire this year. <laughs> no, right. I'm kidding. So I have to sneak, I have to sneak this last one in since we're based out of India. When do we see you in India? Yeah, no kidding. There's quite a few countries in the world that we have not been to. Um, yeah, it's a good question. You go bug a local. <laughs> go bug a good. Go bug. Go annoy. Go talk to the the best. The best, coolest, most honest uh, Indian metal concert promoter, and tell them we want to play. <laughs> that, that, we'll do that. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Jeff. It's been an honor for us to have you on the show. Uh, any last things you want to say before we end our call? Well, you already gave away the first one, which is I hope I get to India with my band someday soon. And number two, I hope you metal fans check out the record because I think it might have some cool stuff on there that you might like. It's going to have at least a couple of songs you like. So give it a, give it a, a listen and hopefully we'll see you. Thanks a lot, Jeff. Horns up from all of us here. No, thank you very much, guys. And I really appreciate it and hope to see you someday. Wow, to think he's still doing what he's doing and doing it with such strong conviction. Yeah, man. And for those of you who've checked out the album, I was really surprised at how good it was, man. Like, considering... Uh, it's consistent, let me put yeah, it that way. I mean, it's an Annihilator album. <laughs> yeah, it's an Annihilator album. It is what you expect. But full power to him for essentially continuing to do what has now become, I would dare say, his alter ego. Yeah, I mean, basically Annihilator is him, right? Yeah, it is It is to the point of Demustain equals to Megadeth, right? I couldn't agree more. Yeah, so that's one Canadian band that we got you guys closer to this week. Next week, we have another legendary Canadian metal artist. The legendary Anvil, Lips Goodlow, is going to be on Haunts Up next week. Stay tuned for that. I'm not going to say anything more, man. Because, trust me, back-to-back Jeff Waters and Lips, <laughs> I'm still, I have to pinch me, basically, <laughs> to make sure it actually happens. So while Peter is pinching himself, stay connected. We are at hornsuppod.com. So till next week, horns up. Horns up. <laughs>